Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Billboard Chart Podcast, Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. Hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a lovely chart manager here at Billboard. You know, a, a pleasant chart manager to work with. I'll go with pleasant. There we go. This is where we look at why what's on the charts is on the charts, and lots to get to uh, this week. As always, we'll run down the top 10 of this week's Billboard Hot 100, a new top 10 for Post Malone, his first, uh, Quavo as well. Uh, we'll look ahead to Fifth Harmony's likely debut next week on the Hot 100 with Down. What number of people will be watching for us to see, you know, what will debut higher, Crying in the Club, which had debuted last week on the Hot 100. Right. Or uh, or Fifth Harmony, you know, you hate to make it a contest, but I guess in particular the way that the split sort of went down. Now, of course, Camila was on the Billboard Music Awards two days after the song came out, so you know, at least a a unique promo opportunity there. Right. Okay. Well, we'll get into that. But, yeah. Uh, our guest this week is Charlie Quinn. Who is that? He's a radio programmer who, uh, other than maybe the Rembrandts and the cast of Friends, is maybe uh, most responsible for making the show's TV theme, I'll Be There For You, a huge radio hit. So uh, we'll get into all that, what he he went to the studio, he looped it from just being a TV theme, turned it into a full song. So we'll get the the whole backstory of that. Yeah, it's a good story about how, you know, maybe uh, some of the radio programmers were were against it for a while, the band themselves wasn't really feeling it, but Charlie nevertheless persisted and turned it into a huge hit. And that will flash back to more TV themes. Why not? We'll just stay in TV uh, for this week's Charpy podcast. So first, though, let's get to this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Number 10. congratulations. Number nine. Push me to the edge. Phantom, that's all right. It's all right. That's all day you ride a sled. I do want to have my brilliant man. A brilliant man. Everybody got Number eight. Number seven. A minute, just take your time. The clock 
Number six. Topping the Hot 100 once again this week, Despacito, Luis Fonsi, and Daddy Yankee, featuring Justin Bieber, number one for a third week in a row. And if you thought the song was unstoppable before, well, it is just getting stronger. Up, you know, once again, surging in activity across yeah. across the board. Here. Up another 8% at number one, and the songs from uh, numbers two through five are all down. So everything that's really close right now to Despacito is getting further away it's building its lead um so it looks like it's got a good chance to be number one certainly again next week um it could it, it could really be in for a long run one song we have to watch out for and this is this is what keeps happening uh, every time there's a bieber song at number one it looks like the song that could replace it is another bieber song so new bieber music uh coming out uh if you're hearing this on thursday june 8th tomorrow june 9th new david getta bieber collaboration yeah, you know, it makes for an interesting strategy because even though none of these songs are from a Bieber album, so it, you know, it doesn't kind of work in the exact same way, though the fact that you have, you know, one singer on, you know, what feels like almost every month in sort of this, I guess you want to call it the chain smokers model of release, right. um, that he's on all these songs and not only is he, you know, continually kind of out there, but every song is a hit. There are a lot of artists out there who, you know, for better or for worse, you, you can find every month or six weeks or so on different songs. Right. But nobody, at least in recent memory, has been able to you know pile on this many hits. I know um, a few weeks ago, if you guys tuned into a podcast, we talked about how you know Bieber has really scored more hits post-purpose than he had with purpose. Right. So it's just kind of you know incredible that, you know, A, that the team is not trying to lighten up at all. You know, they're not trying to give him a break. I mean, not that they're, not that they're like maliciously trying to work him to death, but, you know, some people... Often in this climate, I worry about overexposure, but it seems not only to be not a problem for Bieber, but, you know, working for him. Yeah. People are hunger, hungry for Bieber. That's exactly it. There just seems to be uh, so much appetite for these songs. And, and they're, they're great songs. They're hit songs. Despacito, I'm the One. They're, they're perfect summer songs. Uh, as we tape this, we have not heard the Get a Bieber song. Assuming with that combination, that star power, it's got to be something that's hit worthy, summer hit. So it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility that once again he has a chance. Maybe we'll see what the numbers are to knock himself out from number one again. Okay, and can I ask? I ask a side question, Gary. You know, this is one of the things where 
you know, three, four years ago, you no one would have predicted Bieber could be this kind of hit machine. What do you think, you know, in the past two years happened that not only, you know, brought him back, but brought him back in a way that is bigger, better than, you know, some people are arguing that he might be the, the most valuable player in music right now. Right. Well, I, I think a couple things. He He did go away. He had kind of a, a break. So I think whatever... Uh, you know, whatever ill will, and, and some of that was just what based from from socially, from some immature stuff he did. So I think it was sort of an image thing. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just lay low for a while. He did that, and then he also came back with really starting the trap house sound. Where are you now? Kind of became this surprise hit, and then that led to uh, the songs on purpose. What do you mean? Sorry. Suddenly the sound really worked for him. We were starting to hear so much of this from from other people. And and there you go. I mean, I don't think anyone could have predicted this type of comeback, though. Just from where it was. I mean, he did that that Comedy Central roast where it was it was almost a little awkward because he he kind of asked to be roasted, which was maybe a little little, little different to begin with. Okay, to be fair, Martha Stewart killed on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely. Again, we're seems like it's going to be another hot summer for Bieber. Obviously, he had "I'm the One," which people were talking about as a contender for song in the summer when it first came out. You know, kind of. Tuned in right for that Memorial Day weekend kind of vibe. Despacito, as we see, still number one on the Hot 100. And then I think maybe the song is called To You, uh, the Bieber. That's the hashtag, yeah. Yeah. It was the the number two and the letter U. Very Prince-like of him. And give a shout-out to Post Malone, whose congratulations song featuring Quavo of Migos hits the top ten for the first time. You know, Post Malone has been one of those artists that... You know, people may not have had their eye on. I mean, not only has the song, you know, been building week after week, but the album has not left the top 25 of the Billboard 200. Right. Which um, the album Stoney came out late at the end of 2016. And, you know, it's one of those albums, again, that maybe not didn't get the, the buzz and the flash and um, sort of the fanfare that some of these other artists, you know, of course, the Eds and the Drakes and people have. But it's been consistent week after week. And glad to see that, you know, in particular, it's paying off with this song. Fifth Harmony's down. Should definitely debut on the Hot 100 next week. So uh, main buzz about that is it's the first single uh, by the group since Camila Cabello left last year. Quick quick mention, Trevor. They were here last week. You you brought them up from the lobby, right? I, <laughs> I did. Um, it, you know, they, it was a, a big kind of production because they had just come off Good Morning America. They were coming through here on the sort of media publicity tour that, you know, most people kind of do on single release day. Um, there are about 20 people, you know, all together with the publicist and the manager and the glam squad that, you know, all all the crew that was there. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they just needed some help. So I volunteered to go down, um, met the girls. They were all very nice. Uh, Allie, shout out to Allie in particular. She was very sweet. She was very, she said thank you very much when I opened the door for her. You know, sometimes, sometimes some people just kind of brush by expecting it. So, uh, in particular, Allie at Fifth Harmony. And you were a gentleman. She was a doll. You held the door. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Of course I was. Did I just like ruin my cred by calling her a doll? Is that like is that old school? <laughs> but she was very nice. So again, Allie, like a, they were all very nice. Love them all. But a particular shout out to Allie. All right, that was your your special connection. That was my uh, that was my uh, my moment. <laughs> all right, so uh, so the song uh, will debut. It's the first single they've put out since Camila left in in December. So uh, you know, there's been a lot of buzz on 
how will Fifth Harmony do now that they're, as people call them, Fourth Harmony, you know, the four members after? Yeah, interesting how how that name is almost like predicated on how many people are in that group. Right. I mean, you wonder, I'm sure they didn't think about changing the name at all. But well, there's so many people online were saying, I want to be the fifth member. So many stars on Twitter were, yeah. were tweeting. So uh, let's let's look other groups historically, because uh, as we always say, uh, Chartbeat uh, specifically, we look at a lot of chart history and see uh, if something that happened in the past can predict a trend uh, going forward. So uh, all we can really do in this case is look at other groups that had members uh, leave while they were in the middle of hit runs. I, you know, Fifth Harmony was coming off Work From Home, their biggest hit last year, and then a few months later, uh, they lose one of their key members. It's a little different in some cases than where there's one specific lead singer because everyone has handled lead vocals in, but, in Fifth you know, Harmony. Camila had, I mean, she'd done the duet with Sean Mendez right. that people, while she was still in the group, so that kind of gave people um, the first inkling that maybe she, of course, could go solo, would want to go solo, and then, you know, not to, I mean, I guess you can't sort of avoid the fact that somehow, something about her always made her seem like sort of the, the standout or the, the most likely target. Um, I, she may have had a little more Twitter followers, a little more mention. So, um, you know, the writing was kind of on the wall there, it seems like, for a little bit. So how do groups do when a key member leaves? Does it mean uh, it's the end of the group? Does it just uh, stop everything cold? Or do they go on to have more hits? And and the person who leaves, uh, do they go on to have hits as well? So uh, let's look at three acts, uh, Trevor, who've gone through this. Uh, one from uh, key, actually, from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Starting the 60s. The best way to predict a 2010 success. <laughs> well, uh, the original girl group, right? Uh, the Supremes. Uh, maybe the biggest uh, hit girl group of the 60s. So they had uh, 31 Hot 100 hits while Diana Ross was still the lead singer. She left. How did the group do after that? After Someday We'll Be Together? Uh, So after 31 hits together. That includes 12 number ones, by the way. Right. Most by any American group. Yeah. Still to this day. No one has done it since. So 31 hits together. She leaves. They still went on to have 14 Hot 100 hits after her. We should, if we break it down a little bit further, two top tens, no number ones. So certainly didn't hit the same heights, but not like they disappeared. They still had a whole run of hits throughout the 70s. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting case, too, because, of course, you know, Diana was sort of, was always primed to be the, the superstar and the focus of the group. Right. You know, unlike a Fifth Harmony, which, you know, is a little unique in the fact that all five members, you know, trade off and, and all have parts, that there's not really one established lead. Um, but, yeah, I mean, of course, Diana Ross... You know, was the was the jewel of the group, and um, I mean the fact the fact that they didn't fall apart completely or even disband is almost a real testament too to right. you know that they were able to carry on that you know the Supremes' name wasn't wasn't just Diana Ross, right? Um, and I mean, of course, I'm sure you know they got plenty. I'm sure Mary Wilson has plenty of royalties and everything hanging on there, but right. Yeah. And if we if we compare uh, who who uh, won the battle, if we put it that way, uh, Diana Ross went on to forty solo Hot 100 hits, 12 top 10s, including six number ones. So in some sense, she sort of took the number ones with her. Wow. (laughs) She got the number ones in the custody battle. Okay. All right. But, you know, hey, but something also to be said about, I mean, she had six number ones, nothing to be shy about. But the fact that the group had 12 in, you know, a five and a half year span, I mean, you know, they were 
to, them together is the most powerful kind of unit of that. If anything, they just they just ran up against the time of the Beatles. If if we weren't looking at the twenty number ones that the Beatles had in that span, sixties would have completely belonged to the Supremes. We'd be looking at that as as still is a totally amazing feat. It just sometimes gets a little overshadowed by what the Beatles did at the same time. Yeah. group that had a lot of success in the 70s and then uh, kind of their lead singer, but they, they've also had different uh, lead singers at different times. Chicago, 39 Hot 100 hits before Peter Cetera left. It was actually kind of interesting. He left well, in odd terms. He, he maybe wanted to stay, but he was kind of looking uh, to do a, a type of situation where he could come back and record with them sometimes. He just didn't want to uh, he didn't want to do all the touring, so they just decided that that really wasn't the way they wanted to go. So he was out of the band in the mid-'80s. They went on to have nine Hot 100 hits, including five top tens, and number one, Look Away, which was the number one song of all of 1989. So as much as Peter Cetera was recognizable as the voice of Chicago, they still had decent amount of hits late 80s after that i mean do you think also i guess some of these groups once a lead singer leaves i wonder how that changes you know does, does that sort of you know call for pause make everybody think you know maybe maybe at this point maybe we all should kind of just do our own thing maybe we've just been forcing it too long or something I'm or it can, sure. it can open up opportunities for other people that's what in chicago jason chef he wound up taking more lead vocals bill champlin same thing. So it just, you know, created more more room for other band members. Also, Peter Cetera. So he went on to 13 Hot 100 hits and also five top tens, two number ones. So after they split, uh, Chicago and Peter Cetera both had five top 10 Hot 100 hits. He had two number ones. They had one. So one more so number one. Everybody still got a number yeah. one, though, you know? So yeah, that, that's a pretty amicable split. And uh, one more act, uh, big in the 80s, into the 90s, into the 2000s as well, that I'll mention, uh, New Edition, Bobby Brown, in the band, wound up out of the band by the end of 1985. You wrote about that recently. Yeah, that, that was a, they basically just kicked Bobby Brown out of the group. Um, I think it was getting a little too rambunctious for them. And, bad you boy know, of Boston. The bad boy of Boston himself. Um, and, and, you know, you definitely can tell that. I mean, especially the first, really, the first album that he really had that showed himself, Don't Be Cruel, um, his second solo album, you know, you could tell that that music was not, you know, the same kind of new edition, kind of lighter, you know, pop R&B. He definitely wanted to do something more New Jack, new Jack Swing influenced, hip hop influence, a little, you know, rougher, the lyrics way more sexual. So, you know, a little bit of a split there, but, um, you know, Bobby obviously took a different energy and a different turn and found a different crowd, but it yeah. worked out. They've had uh, one top ten uh, without Bobby Brown, they've had four with him, New Editions. So he, he uh, certainly was there for New Editions. Bigger success uh, on his own, 13 Hot 100 hits, nine top tens, two number ones. So Bobby Brown had uh, just much more success, I'm going to say, on his own. But we got to also give a shout you out. to give know, me for... the on his own oh. reference. Yeah. On our own. I'll give it. Yeah. High five, Gary. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I mean, you also kind of give a shout out to New Edition for being – 
a little weird how they splintered off because there were multiple you know people who went on to solo careers from there. Johnny Gill, right? You know, after he came in, went off to a successful R and B solo career as well. You got Bell Biv DeVoe, three members of New Edition who formed their own splinter group. I mean, the song Poison is just you know one of those like staples from early nineteen nineties R and B that everybody knows. So um, interesting there as well that you know everybody was able to kind of find their own lane a little bit right. um, and it wasn't just it wasn't just the bobby show and the others you know everyone made it work and they've come back together at different times he's been in and out of the band and and they in, certainly in keep the band most recently yeah I and mean, they, they certainly keep on tour a lot with you know a lot of the rotating members and, and bobby joins them as well um so good to see especially you know after sort of some of that weird animosity in the 80s that you know they can put it aside and, and grow up and get back together so what does that tell us about Fifth Harmony? Does that uh, mean they're going to have a whole bunch of hits? Camila will have a whole bunch of hits? Always comes down to the music. <laughs> After all that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'll be most interesting to see, I think, particularly when um, the Camila solo record comes out, you know, what, what kind of sound she is, you know, honing in on for sure. And if it's going to be the same kind of thing, I mean, you think that perhaps if she left the group, she wanted to do something different. And, you know, whatever Fifth Harmony was going towards was not her lane. So it'll be interesting to see if they find themselves competing for the same space or if they can, you know, open up two different lanes and hopefully both take advantage of them. So far, Fifth Harmony's had seven Hot 100 hits, all with Camila. Dan will be the first one uh, after her. They peaked as high as number four with Work From Home. Camila has also peaked as high as number four with bad things. Yeah. It's a little tie at the moment. That'll be interesting. Who will break the, the number four tie first? And uh, Lauren debuts this week. She becomes the second member of Fifth Harmony to chart solo. She's featured on Halsey's Strangers. Debuts at number one hundred this week. Fact. Did you hold the door for Lauren? I, by definition, I guess I did. <laughs> All right. So we'll see what happens uh, next week. Fifth Harmony on the Hot One Hundred. Uh, let's flash back. Go to our special uh, guest this week. Our industry insider interview, uh, Charlie Quinn. We mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, programmer, long time in radio creative program director didn't uh, just play what uh record labels were telling him to play back in 1995 he was he, the rebel man he, himself. he went off on his own decided that a song uh, he thought could be a hit really could be big took it into his own hands literally in the studio turned the friends theme i'll be there for you into a huge hit everyone knows the theme but you may not know the whole uh, backstory we didn't until uh, we talked to charlie and uh, found out all about that so charlie quinn radio program director on the Billboard Charpy Podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So no 
Charlie Quinn, thank you so much for joining us here on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. My pleasure. People probably don't know the whole backstory and of how a radio programmer really uh, set in motion the Friends theme, uh, going from just a TV theme to becoming a, a two-month number one uh, radio hit. Tell everyone, uh, Charlie, what what was your involvement? How did it start? Uh, take us into the studio with uh, what you did with the song. Okay. Well, you know, it was uh, we had been WYHY Y107 for years. I came in in 1994 into Nashville, where that station was as a program director. And within about a year, we, uh, I'd say it was probably January, of, it might have been January of 1995, or maybe even November. I can't remember the date that uh, uh, we were doing this, but uh, I was, I had just changed the radio station's call letters to WRBW, the river. Uh, we had just been acquired by another company. So we were a brand new building all new studios. My uh, music director, uh, Tom Peace, for the river, uh, called me into the studio one day and said, I love that theme song for Friends, and it's only like 28 seconds. And he said, I have an idea. Uh, he said, what if we simply spliced it together and uh, and used three different versions of it, using just the, the refrain from it in the third uh, version of it, and uh, to wrap it up. And, uh, you know, we've got a minute and 42 or a minute and 52 second song there. Uh, it'd be fun to maybe try to play that. And I said, you know something, not only am I going to play it without this song even existing, I'm moving it right to the number one song on the radio station. I'm going to play it, uh, I think it was 120 times a week. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, Greg Olson, I think, was the rep at the time for, it was East West, I think, East West or Atlantic. Greg Olson was the rep at the time, and he suddenly saw something that had uh, no BDS identification to it show up uh, on uh, on our charts, and spinning it 120 times a week was, uh, he was shocked by it, didn't know what it was, didn't have an identification, just, you know, a uh, uh, numeric code for it, and that was it, and uh, uh, some people monitored it from the uh, trades, figured out what we were doing, uh, and uh, Greg uh, tried to get us to stop playing it. But it was just a great song. It was catchy. It was fun. I just thought, you know, what a great song this is, and it's not being released. Uh, and we uh, started getting pressure from uh, uh, the rep to get it off the radio station. Hey, you know, the thing is you're not doing anyone any good for this. The Rembrandts have uh, moved on. They did this as a favor to... Uh, producers of the TV show, but this is not the direction they want to go with the music. Uh, they were trying to reinvent themselves after their first hit many years before and trying to go much more in a, uh, a rock alternative uh, direction. And uh, the, uh, the song got pressure for, I guess, about six months, and we just kept playing it. We played it uh, to death. And uh, finally, some radio stations around the country started calling and saying, can I get a, uh, uh, a cut of that? Can I get a copy? And, and so we sent copies to several big radio stations, C100 in New York and uh, uh, Miami and several other big cities And uh, at their request, and they started playing it. So we were building on a revolution of getting this song made and getting it real. Uh, the, I think it was around May of 1995 that... Uh, the uh, 
the label acquiesced and said, hey, look, we're going to go ahead just to get you to take this one minute and 52 second, you know, chopped up version off the air. We're going to produce it and we're going to put it out. And they actually had to stop pressing of the uh, album that they had in the can because they'd already begun to put it on the presses and, and uh, make copies. And they had to add this as a starburst. Uh, they put a starburst label on it and, uh, and basically said, including, uh, I'll be there for you, the hit TV song from Friends. Uh, added it to the uh, the album uh, and uh, put it back in process and released it. We had a version for ourselves. And, you know, the end result was that this is something that became a phenomenon. Uh, the time it was Casey Kasem's American Top 40, which had been around forever, and for 10 straight weeks, because we aired that show, for 10 straight weeks, Casey had the number one song, is I'll Be There For You, and every time he would talk about how the song began and give us credit. So it was, it was, it was exciting, and uh, the song went to the top now. I, you probably have seen uh, the article in Blender and so forth. It's now one of the, uh, I believe, 15 most hated songs of all time, probably because it just got beat to death, you know? Yeah. It has some of the gimmick qualities of like a uh, Rick Rolling, the Never Gonna Give You Up and things like that. I mean, it's kind of, um, it, it, when you think about it, it's not a serious song. It's a, it's a silly song. It's a fun song. It's just a, uh, it's a summertime feeling song. That's it. It's so weird. Labels, they, they, their whole mission is to create hits. And here you're saying that they were fighting you to stop playing the song. They, well, they didn't want it to be a hit. You know, it's 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 crafting of an artist, and it's a it's uh, A&R imaging and so forth of an artist trying to trying to light new heat under them with a different audience. It didn't fit what they were doing, and I understand. But uh, in latter years, it probably took a year or two later, about '96 or '97. Uh, Greg Olson came in with the band and they presented us with the uh, gold record that you have a picture of uh, in recognition of that. And when they were interviewed about it, they said, you know, we hated this. We hated you were doing this because we were trying to go another direction. But frankly, we're all thanking you now because that's basically made our retirement. What made you uh, add it, uh, Charlie? It's such a high rotation. It's one thing to maybe sample it, but it sounds like you just really believed in this as a hit. I knew if we played it a few times and said, hey, this is, you know, a, a, a gimmick, this is a, you know, morning show redo or something to that effect, you know, we'd get a couple of spins and it probably wouldn't get enough exposure to make it move. And I just felt like this is one of those songs that was catchy and everyone liked it. The show was red hot. Uh, you know, I needed to, you know, if, if you're going to follow pop culture in the direction it goes, you're going to reflect your audience. Then you've got to, you, you've got to step out. You've got to be, uh, uh, you've got to be one step ahead, and I felt like I had something that could be a trendsetter moment for this particular uh, show and for the band, and I wanted to be a part of it. We all do. We all do what we do for some level of recognition. And there's no question that uh, we were thinking in terms of this could put our radio station on the map nationally with uh, with the industry, and we love that. It's also a uh, tradition of, of programmers uh, doing that. It doesn't happen too much, but I'm, I'm sure you remember the story. It was uh, uh, programmer Gary Guthrie who mixed uh, yeah. Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand's Barbara version Streisand. of uh, You Don't Bring yeah. Me Flowers. Turned that into a number one hit as well. Yes, absolutely. It was, uh, uh, it's a tradition that very few people have done because you know, we're, now in, you know, we're now in a situation where there's a lot more to lose. Uh, record, uh, radio, radio companies now are constantly in litigation over copyright laws and so forth and uh, 
you know, it's a much more safe ball world now for radio. So things like that wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't probably pass mustard with legal. But, uh, you know, at the very least, they'd be asking for permissions first on something like that. But it was a different time. It was also a different time when uh, TV themes were, were uh, catchy themes. Now a lot of shows don't even have musical themes. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, uh, what they've done is, is uh, again, is, as things change, uh, they decided with television in a lot of cases just to get right to the chase immediately and get people hooked and get people sticking through the show. Yeah, a lot, a lot of more uh, instrumental kind of themes going on these days. I mean, they're pretty brief, but yeah, a lot of them are maybe classical-focused or... Or something without, you know, no pop songs for sure that, you know, bands or even solo artists are yeah. really going after. It's, de- it's definitely uh, it's definitely something that had its day and, uh, uh, you know, progress has changed the opportunities, but other opportunities are out there to reinvent to uh, and to bring back. And it's just that uh, this was a moment in time and I knew it was and I knew it wasn't going to come back. And uh, it was just something that we savored to this day. How long did you guys like keep the song in rotation? You obviously started it out. Did you, you know, did you keep playing it throughout the whole run of the show? Did you do anything special when it was canceled and, I guess, not canceled, but, but, it, ended, but it ended 2004. in two thousand four? Yeah. yeah, we we started playing it. I believe it was sometime between November of ninety four and uh, January of ninety five, and continued to play it until we struck a deal with uh, uh, with uh, Greg. Uh, that uh, we would, uh, uh, he had the single. He uh, he said he would if we would have it in like a week. Please stop, you know, the rotation on it with his promise. We did, and that would have been April, about probably April fifteenth or so. For about two weeks, uh, you know, we were done. But I mean, that's months of of airplay at one hundred and twenty spins a day, and we just kept it going. And when they told you to stop playing it, Charlie, it sounded like you said uh, you fought that. You said, no, we're going to keep playing it. We believe in it. Yeah, they, they, they never delivered a cease and desist. You know, we just basically uh, kept going with it and kept arguing back and forth with them. But it's hard to argue when you have something that people want and it's not available on the shelves. And that type of record pressure, you know, bends to the finance side of it in a lot of cases. And that's what it did. They... Uh, they didn't uh, see it uh, see the decision to stop us as being a good decision at that time, and uh, you know we had to wait about two weeks uh, for the single. When the single came out, we dropped the old one and went right to the single and uh, dropped it into a regular rotation into a regular status. So uh, Rembrandt eventually thanked you. They gave you the gold record. Did, did you ever hear from any people uh, with NBC or with friends? It, it seems like they should thank you as well. No, you know something. I've never heard from anyone involving. Uh, I can't remember uh, the name of Marta Kaufman, I think, is the one that uh, was the producer with uh, friends who uh, uh, had a relationship with the Rembrandts and kind of talked to them about doing this as a one-off, but uh, never from them, uh, never from the band, never from the show, uh, but I didn't really expect that. I mean, the show was the show. I mean, you know, they weren't involved in the song other than making the music video. I'm sure that several people inside the show cast and, and uh, behind the scenes knew the story and knew what was going on, but uh, I'm not sure at that point in time. It was The show was such a big hit. There wasn't much left in the way of ceiling to move. But, but it is kind of interesting that it's a little twofold. I mean, obviously... You know, the show's huge popularity helps the theme song out. But, I mean, it's one of those theme songs where if you don't know Friends, if you don't know, you know, who's on it or 
what it's about or anything, you still hear that song and you're like, oh my god, I I know that song. So in a weird way, like yeah. you know, both of them complement each other and something that's pretty unique. It really is. It's as I said. I mean, the thing is, it's just one of those moments in time, and you know, we all search for that moment, that moment that will be you know etched in some form of history, so that uh, uh, so that you have something there that says, I was in radio for X amount of years. I did something special, something that I'll always remember. And that, uh, I mean, that's what drives, for the most part, drives a lot of radio programmers. You want to uh, put your signature on your radio station. Uh, and number two, you want to be recognized for the fact that that signature uh, created and grew something special that hadn't been done before. If Matthew Perry is listening, Courtney Cox, Lisa Kudrow, they, they owe you a thank you, uh, Charlie, for what you did. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston, too, especially. <laughs> well, that's that's great. I'm sure they know uh, some bits and pieces but, of the story, but, you know, we're radio. They're, fil- they're television. They're film. And, uh, uh, you know, I expect nothing more uh, than to have done a good job and uh, to have gotten recognition that my station served. We're happy here to tell people the story of how uh, you're behind one of the biggest hits of the 90s. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thanks for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, Charlie. All righty. Bye-bye. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? You'd be like, oh no, it's the cop! Like, if I were a cop, I would, like, just, like, play that outside somebody's house as I, like, neared it on. Like, that would drive Instead you... Instead of cr- sirens. Yeah. It should be the cop's like, theme. that would be, I'm telling you, I w- if I were a criminal, I'd be too afraid. i say, <laughs> oh no, the cops! So, Charlie Quinn, the guest here on the podcast, talking about uh, the Friends theme. So, we just thought we'd talk about other TV themes. You just let us on a nice rendition of cops... Bad Boys Inner Circle, top 10 hit, 1993, number eight. Can you believe, I mean, you know, I know that Cops is one of those things that um, everybody knows, but you forget, I guess, just how, it's like one of those, like, guilty pleasure kind of shows, I guess, that, you know, I mean, this this is really weird, but I used to watch Cops when I was, like, 11, you know, because it was like, ooh, like, let's see what the cops do. But, I mean, the fact that it got to number eight, I mean, that is, and, I mean, we're talking, I mean, 93 is the era of, you know, in some ways, like, some of the most sort of big process sounds. I mean, you've got, you know, obviously Whitney's huge at the time, some of these divas, Madonna, Mariah out there. There were some reggae hits, though. UB40 was big that same summer with Can't Help uh, Falling in Love, Baby I Love Your Way by Big Mountain the next year would be a reggae hit. So it was kind of a little moment there in the early to mid-90s. And also, yeah, uh, yeah, Inner Circle's other hit after that. It it wasn't as big. It got to number uh, 16, but in some ways it felt kind of as big. I remember Sweat. Some number ones that TV has helped inspire. All right, let's go way back. 1976, theme from SWAT, Rhythm Heritage. And also in 1976, 76 apparently getting to be a pretty good year for TV themes uh, in the U.S. Uh, Welcome back. Welcome back, Cotter. Yeah. Did you ever watch Welcome Back, Cotter? I never did. Welcome back. John Travolta. <laughs> Wound up being his breakout role. Really? Yeah. That, I mean, because Saturday Night Fever was barely, what, 
the next year. Really? It was the next year. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, big show, catchy theme, and yeah, there was just a lot of that in the seventies. It was just sort of a heyday for sitcoms, and they all had these catchy themes. There, were, a lot of them were written by people who had written hits before, so a lot of work was put into these TV songs. It's not just uh, not a coincidence that there are so many catchy themes from that era. They were they were written to be sixty or thirty seconds of just absolutely hooking you in from the start. I mean, that's how you you know if you were running around the house or whatever, and you heard that theme. Oh, let's go jump in front of the TV because, you know, whatever's coming on um, kind of is the same theme with the next number one Hot 100 hit, jumping ahead from 76, almost 10 years before we had another one that's in 1985, talking about the Miami Vice theme from Jan Homer. Interesting one because not just a TV theme, an instrumental. So you, that's a pretty rare combination. Instrumental TV theme going to number one on the Hot 100. That show was so huge back then that it wasn't really that surprising. Yeah, I mean, that just shows, I mean, particularly the power of that. Because, you know, at 85, you're talking about, I mean, people like Springsteen are out. You know, I mean, We Are the World, some of these huge singles. The fact that, you know, MTV is starting to power a lot of these things. And obviously, there's not there's a music video for the Miami Vice theme. But, I mean, people just, like you were saying, just got hooked on the show and... You know, once you combine a great show that a lot of people watch and know and a, a fantastic instrumental theme song, you can break barriers on the Hot 100. On the other side, it's not always that you need a big hit show to have a number one theme. You can have a hit song from a TV show that actually outlives the TV show itself. By the time it goes to number one on the Hot 100, the show might be canceled. That happened in 1992. Now, how weird is that? You, you got a So the show is The Heights and the theme song, How Do You Talk to an Angel? And so by the time the song, so the song couldn't save the show. But. It just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't a hit. It just, uh, Fox, it was on Fox. It, it was the 90210 era, uh, Party of Five. Melrose Place. Yeah, all, all in that same kind of time frame. But uh, the Heights just, just didn't cut through. Just didn't. So it was, it was released by the time uh, the song got to number one. The show was canceled. That's at least a good, uh, somewhat of a consolation prize, um, a fun fact for a trivia night, if nothing else. There's been a bunch of other TV themes that have charted on other charts. Can I can I give my favorite TV theme of uh, all time? Let's go. From my favorite TV show of all time. I'm putting this out there right now. Dukes of Hazzard theme. The Dukes of favorite Hazzard. Favorite show of all time. Number one hit in 1980 for the legendary Waylon Jennings. We actually had uh, Tom Opat, Luke Duke, up here at a billboard a few years ago. He talked about why the show connected with people. You know, the, the, the thing about it was when we were on the air, I mean, William Paley, who ran CBS at the time, you know, basically acknowledged that he had no understanding of why it was successful. And we were always treated kind of like a redheaded stepchild both at CBS and Warner Brothers. But it's something, you know, touches a string somewhere, you know, touches a chord for people, and it's uh, harmless, pretty much. Um, no blood, no sex, no cursing, no nothing. Just a lot of vehicular violence, basically. <laughs> and some fistfights, which are a lot of fun. 
<laughs> I hit a few people. I hit a, I hit a couple of people. I hit one guy. I hit uh, Gerald McCready pretty good one time because I didn't know he wasn't a stuntman and he didn't duck. And I clocked him good. Um, I told John if he ever hit me, I'd hit him back. So John never hit me. He hit several guys. Well, that's really, I think, one of the keys to its success was that we genuinely cared about each other and we had a good time. Party Five as well, having a Hot 100 hit. They survived. Oh, that's right. They won the TV race, but maybe not the theme song race. Closer to Free by the Bodines, hitting number 16 on the Hot 100. So at least, you know, the Heights lives on in Hot 100 history. Yeah, you know, Fox uh, wound up having some some TV theme hits in the 90s. We were talking about the Heights, talking about Party of Five, Ali McBeal, Search in My Soul, Vonda yeah. Shepard. That was a, a radio hit as well. The House theme, uh, Massive Attack teardrop instrumental song that wound up uh, bubbled under the hot 100 but yeah fox fox had a little bit of run of hits there so malcolm other, in the middle malcolm as well. in the middle was, yeah. was another one um we're seeing less uh, on the hot 100 tv themes first of all just aren't uh, as we mentioned in the interview with charlie quinn they just aren't what they used to be tv shows just don't want to uh, use 30 to 60 seconds in a in a quicker attention span Time. Yeah, you kind of get your little like your little three or four notes, and then they, you know, let's keep going. But uh, back in two thousand eight, Miranda Cosgrove, the theme from iCarly, sort of fitting for for where TV themes have gone at this point. Number one hundred peak on the Hot one hundred. Yeah, I also want to give a shout out to um, probably one of the the sort of best known theme songs of this era, but people may not realize it's the theme song, Hannah Montana's "Best of Both Worlds." One right. of the first times we heard Miley Cyrus on record. Um, was a digital seller, got to number 64 on digital, so didn't quite make it, you know, across the board to, to the all-genre charts. But still, you know, notable that it, it launched, if nothing else, a franchise that powered to number one hits, introduced Miley Cyrus to the world. So definitely um, a legacy there as well. So many other uh, classic TV themes from the 80s were, were hits either on the Hot 100 or, or other charts, Greatest American Hero. Uh, cheers where everybody knows your name and these songs just uh, everyone still i think knows them so many people know them now just from years of reruns they've just become such a part of uh, pop culture just one of those great mixes where uh where tv and music come together and create something sort of uh, cross-cultural like that yeah and now you know we're not seeing it like you mentioned as much with tv themes but you know the rise of these the streaming sort of the streaming tv culture through netflix through hulu through uh, Amazon and on cable channels, HBO as well, has helped, you know, soundtracks are doing significant, you know, making significant gains. Uh, we saw it with Stranger Things. People right. were really big fans of that. Big Little Lies did well, especially at the season finale for that show. So it may not be, you know, that the individual songs do as much as they used to back in the day. But the albums, you know, definitely if you can watch a whole season, I mean, you can get nine, ten different tracks, different episodes, different moods, right? whatever. So... That is maybe that's the new frontier is maybe looking, you know, more towards the album charts and seeing how some of the the TV albums end up doing. Right. And this kind of era. Oh, and uh, with um, Orange is the New Black coming back, that theme by uh, Regina Spector, You've Got Time. That was a uh, number 15 sales hit uh, a few years ago. Think of all the roads. Think of all the crossings. Taking steps is easy. 
and uh, completely uh, separate but sort of related. Uh, there have been hits that look like TV themes but aren't. Uh, remember the, the Friends uh, spinoff Joey? Yes, I, I I tried to watch and support. I really did, and then I got about four episodes in, and I said, "Hmm." The the theme from Joey wasn't a hit, but Joey by Concrete Blonde was a hit in 1990. Good Times by Chic, like the TV show Good Times. So unrelated, but there have been hits that have TV is that shows not the as same song? Titles. No, different song. These are your good. Yeah, times? that's not the theme to Good Times. Why the not? From the 70s. Oh, somebody messed up there. Yeah. If nothing else, Good Times did give us that Janet Jackson cameo by that thinking uh trevor uh jeopardy by the greg kin band should that be the theme to jeopardy every night no you can't mess with how that. about they replace that with uh, our loves in jeopardy by greg kin band for I, 30 seconds you can people think of the answer you know you question. can pitch it to, you can pitch it to trebek um let me know what he says i don't know if he wants to mess with it though he's already got you know his iconic theme in the books what is a bad idea gary oh that's good and uh, one more from recent uh, times the a-team ed sharon not related to the TV show, The 18. Again, maybe missed opportunity. Maybe it inspires somebody. What's your favorite show of all time? Probably, mm, oh God, I mean, all time. I could watch a lot of Dragon Ball Z, to be honest. That's a great, that's a great show. But, um, all right, we'll close. We'll close with that. Oh my God, the Dragon Ball Z theme. I can't, that's beautiful. Own um, it, own it, Trevor. Oh boy. Okay, well, uh, enjoy that. Uh, anyone who's a non millennial, you'll get a new experience of what anime was like back in the. Uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Yep, we're going to take a week off, but we'll be back with Mark Medina, the program director of Z100 here in New York. And, of course, we'll keep an eye on the charts, as always, for you guys. We'll see if Despacito can continue its summer reign and see where it goes. And, of course, by that time, the new Justin Bieber song with David Guetta should be on the Hot 100 as well. So right. we'll see you know, where all this Bieber madness, all these Bieber songs shake out. Fifth Harmony we'll talk about as well, where they ended up debuting with their song Down, and um, we'll see, you know, the race is on between Fifth Harmony and Camila. We'll see where we end up with that. A lot of, lot of summer action heating up on these charts, so be sure to tune in for that. And now we'll tune in to your favorite TV show of all time. We got to think about a new answer for that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.